0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots
1: today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is the 254th episode of the Casting Cross Fly Fishing Podcast, and I'm excited to talk about what I'm about to talk about. And we're talking about fly shops today, and specifically a little initiative that I've been working on for a while. And I don't expect it to be revolutionary in the world of fly fishing, but I hope that it makes some sort of impact I hope that is helpful to you, the consumer, the listener, the reader, but it's also helpful in some small way to fly shops. Now, a little bit of a primer before I get into the meat of the podcast. I love fly shops. Uh, I learned to fly fish through books. I learned to fly fish from uh, TV, and I learned to fly fish from fly shops. Uh, I didn't have a a family that uh, was was into fly fishing or really angling in general. Uh, And so it was time spent at fly shops, the half an hour before I hit the water in the morning after driving to the stream, the uh, lunchtime break where I would go and ask questions and I would have people get hands on showing me with my equipment, the things I didn't even buy at that shop what I should be doing, and then pointing me to the tippet, pointing me to the flies, talking me through how something might better suit me and how I'm fishing and where I'm fishing, and then guiding me through those purchases, as well as just the small talk. And those are things that were incredibly helpful for me as a young angler, and they've been things that have been consistent for all these years I've been fly fishing, going on 25 plus years now. Now, This is not the best time in the world to be in the fly shop business for a few reasons. You can get everything you need from a tangible perspective from the Internet. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times where that is not a bad choice because of availability, because of budget, uh, just because of where you are and just where you are in life. It might be the right thing to do for you to go online and buy what you need. But that doesn't necessarily translate into the kind of revenue that fly shops need to stay in business in a relatively low margin uh, kind of uh, industry. And the other thing that I think is important to point out is that it is a relatively narrow industry. I mean, if you are a rabid fly fisher, then you probably think and eat and breathe fly fishing. But there's not that many of us. And so when I look at how many fly shops there are out there, I'm actually quite impressed that these folks are being consistent in opening the doors and doing what they do. And so, again, this is, again, a bit of a primer about why fly shops matter. I think they also are important, too, because they—not just the educational aspect, but also the community aspect of it. A lot of times, fly shops are the the ones who are on the forefront of finding out there's a problem in the stream and getting a hold of the Department of Environmental Protection or law enforcement. Oftentimes, they're the ones to bring in the fundraisers for initiatives for, you know, stream restoration and projects the state is unable to get to. They're also a place for people who— who might not have connections to make connections and so you're able to build community and the community is able to do good things through fly shops so I got to go on and on and on about this, and I have. If you get online on castingacross.com, there's plenty of articles about fly shops. But to get back to the core of what I want to talk about today and what I want to kind of introduce in the podcast, I mentioned it last week, but to talk about more fully is something I'm calling the Casting Across Fly Shop Box. And what it is is an online fly shop directory, okay? Now, I'm going to deal with what uh, what, what it is here in a moment, but I also want to talk about Kind of some of the questions that may get raised because I've raised these myself as I've embarked on this little project. And the first one is why make an online directory on a fly fishing website when the internet exists? Like to go to my website is the same amount of work that it would be to go to Google and to put in fly shop near me. And honestly, for the vast majority of folks, that is going to work. However, you would be surprised at how many fly shops don't show up on searches. And some of it has to do with the fact that a lot of fly shops don't have the best websites. And if they have good websites, they might not necessarily have good search engine optimization. They might not have the right keywords in the right place. So there's some fly shops that I know exist that are good fly shops that have been consistent for 10, 15 years where I put fly shop in or fishing store in and they don't pop up on Google. And I'm not sure why that is. I don't have a look behind the curtain as to how they're managing their website and their presence on the, you know, the predominant uh, search engine out there and business listing webs- uh, web service and Google, but they don't pop up. And this gets even more complicated when you aren't looking in an area that, you know, if you're maybe thinking about traveling and you're looking for a spot, uh, then you might put in that area. And it, it, and, and here's the, the two tiers of this. One, you might not know exactly where to look. And two, if you go into a place like Denver, for example, or you're going to um, like the Mid-Atlantic uh, in South Central Pennsylvania, Central Maryland, Northern Virginia, places like that, uh, there's are places with lots of fly shops. And so a simple search is going to yield maybe five or six results when there's really 10 or, or, or 12 Results that you could find. So, with a little bit of internet sleuthing, you'd be able to find this information. So, my intention is one, to make sure that no one gets left out. And second, that you're able to comprehensively see what's out there. So, for the vast majority of circumstances and situations you find yourself in, Googling fly shop near me or fly shop on Google Maps is going to give you what you need. I am trying to round that out and give you a comprehensive picture of everything that is out there. So that's the first thing. Uh, Now, when you get to the fly shop box, I'm calling it, or the fly shop directory, um, you can find it a few different places on the website. First of all, it's going to be on the top Um, the the header bar. If you go to the uh, desktop version, or if you're looking at casting across on the phone, it's going to pop up. The first thing that pops up is the podcast. And then right below that, it says fly shop directory, making it very, very clear. Um, If you're on the desktop, there's also on the right hand side, a a fly logo, my, my humpy logo that I use. um, And underneath that, it says fly shop box. And you can click on that and it takes you to a site and it has a state by state listing. And when you click on the state that you want to go to it, then it drops down to that state in the state list, and underneath that is an alphabetical by shop name listing of all of the shops. Once you get there, you're going to see a few things. You're going to see the shop name, and the shop name is clickable, and it takes you in a new page to that shop's website, um, and I would say the vast majority, 99% of the shops on there have a website. There's a few that don't, which I think is actually kind of cool, uh, and I know a couple of them that uh, that have been around for a long time, and apparently they don't need a website, and they're doing, doing well. Uh, beneath that is their address. And I tried to use an address that you can put into a search engine. That's another thing. Sometimes you go to these shops, websites, and they have addresses that are like, you know, unit, whatever of this shopping center you can't Google, but you, you know, you can't put that in Google maps. Um, so I tried to uh, reformat some of these so that'd be an easy click. And then lastly is their phone number because I find with, uh, with small businesses in any industry, but particularly in fly fishing, it's probably a good idea to call ahead. If you are wanting to stop in early or late, or if you're wanting to stop in on a weekend, you just want to make sure that you can get there. And so I tried to also put that in a format where on your smartphone, you should be able to just tap on it and you can call them directly. Now, what is there right now? Well, what is there is at the time of this recording, 373 fly shops, 373 fly shops. Now, all of these fly shops exist in the lower 48. And I think virtually every state with a few uh, exceptions is represented. Uh, not because I decided I don't feel like looking in North Dakota, but I don't think there's a fly shop in North Dakota. I just pulled off the top of my head, but um, 373 fly shops. And that number is growing. And how is that number growing? That number is growing because I'm getting people who are writing in because I've solicited and said, hey, I had to just scour the internet, use different search terms, look in different, uh, search engines and try to find fly shops that don't pop up on a simple search. So I want the big, the big name fly shops. I don't want them, the ones that everyone knows about that is definitely going to show up, but I also want the ones that might require a little bit of digging. And so I probably found 350 ish on my own. And then in the last few weeks, I probably had another 20 that I've added both from my kind of researching, uh, re researching, if you will and also people sending in suggestions. So I've been able to flesh that out. And forgive me, if your shop has been around for 75 years, and it's amazing, and everyone in your area thinks it's the best shop, and even if you're that shop owner whatever it is, and I missed it, do not take it personally. There's a few shops that I've been in that I've not had great experiences in, but you know what? I included them because they're there and they provide available service. So there is nothing personable, personable? There's nothing personal, how about that, about any shop that I have left off the list. So if if right now, if if you want to go and check your state, your area, where you fish, make sure I've hit all the shops. And if I haven't, let me know either on the contact form on the website or at uh, Matthew at castingacross.com. Please, please let me know so I can fill this out. All right. What aren't you gonna see on the list? Well, right now there's a few things you're not gonna see on the list. You're not gonna see international fly shops. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's something that's gonna happen. You're not gonna see shops in Alaska or Hawaii. Uh, that, that probably will happen very, very soon because that won't take a whole lot of work. Um, and you're also not going to see two other types of shops and this is where things get arbitrary, but again, this is a democracy. This is a dictatorship this is my website and I'm going to do it how I want to do it. All right. Uh, so you're not going to see uh, a gas station that has a really good fly selection. Uh, you're not going to see a lodge that has You know, a a rack of logo shirts from their, their, you know, logo caped shirts from their lodge and then, you know, four, nine foot five weights, and then a box of flies that you can pick from if you're in a pinch, right? Uh, You're also not going to see a rod building shop. You're not going to see a place that just sells tying supplies. Uh, You're not going to see also a big box fishing store. I mean, Bass Pro Shop, Cabela's, Shields, Gander Mountain, Sportsman's Warehouse, they're not going to be on here. Um, Orvis is on here. Some of the other uh, kind of chain fly shops that, that are more regional than Orvis, of course, are on there. Um, you're, you're not going to see uh, some some other stores that, uh, like, you know, uh, Dick Sporting Goods, they have fly fishing gear. Walmart has fly fishing gear. Um, and so you're not going to see those on there. Now, here's the caveat with that. Uh, I realize that those stores, and I've written about this before, those stores provide a valuable service. They are not fly shops in the strictest sense of the term. Uh, I think there's a significant cultural difference. And, and I don't have time to get into that necessarily on today's podcast, uh, but there is a significant cultural difference between a fly shop proper and a fly fishing department in a camping and hiking store or a big box outdoor store or a department store or even a like a, a home goods store. Okay, they're very different. And I think we can all see that we we all know what the difference is. Um, that being said, and this is a little bit of a, a detour or an asterisk to this conversation about the, the fly shop box, the fly shop directory, I do want to have a partition on the website for acknowledging stores like I just mentioned, whether it be a Bass Pro Shop, whether it be a hardware store in some small town that has a fly fishing department that goes over and above. Because I've been to stores like this where the fly fishing department is just tragic and sad and uh, either because of what they have to offer, uh, the the amount of dust that is accumulated somehow behind the plastic uh, clamshell that the reel is in, or because the people have no clue what they're talking about that is really bad. And I've also been in situations like this where they are really good. Uh, I've I've written at length about how the one of the first fly shops I spent time in it was not a fly shop at all, but it was a dinky little hardware slash camping store. And the guy had a big box of flies that local tires tied for and he knew his stuff. And he spent time with a couple of young guys that were just figuring out how to fly fish this little mountain creek. And so I want to acknowledge that. I also don't want to, you know, call it what it isn't and call it a fly shop. I know I just mentioned it as a fly shop earlier, but it was a it was basically a glorified hardware store um, with a bunch of old nasty mounts on the wall. But it was special and it was cool. And I've also had great experiences at um, a, a sports authority back when when I was a, a kid, um, I had a great experience at a bass pro shop of the people that were absolutely on the top of their game as far as knowing fly fishing. And so I want to acknowledge that. So there's a kind of a secondary page that I'm I'm putting together for that. And so there's a, a link to that as well. Um, the, the name of the article for that is called Fly Heroes Outside the Shops. Fly Heroes Outside the Shops. And I've already had some folks that have emailed me in about the the casting across fly shop box, the fly shop directory that have said, Hey, I, I, I know this store, it's not necessarily a fly shop, but their fly fishing department is really good. So I want to build out some sort of listing for these kind of stores also not calling them fly shops, but saying, you know what, if you live in an area where this is your only option, uh, this is definitely a place to go to. And there's at least one person out there that has said, I have benefited greatly from going to the store to buy my rods or my flies, or even to get advice about fly fishing. So that's a little bit of a detour, but uh, that's something that I feel like needs to be mentioned. All right. So the, uh, the next thing that that I want to say about the fly shop directory is that I want it to become more user-friendly. So again, at present, you click on your state name after scrolling down to find it, and then it takes you to that, that list of shops and you're able to then scroll through them. Uh, I am thinking of other ways to add more information, to make it more dynamic, to make it more mobile friendly, uh, because I do want this to be a resource that doesn't necessarily require you to sit down and have a big old screen in front of you to use. I don't think it is terribly inconvenient. It's certainly a lot better than having a giant uh, book like uh, we had 25 years ago when you're trying to find a fly shop. And uh, so that's something that is definitely on my radar. And I have a couple of ideas. But again, this is not my full time job. I'm just trying to do it for fun and also for a benefit for you, the consumer, as well as the fly shops that are out there. So uh, again, if you know a shop, let me know if you find a broken link let me know uh, if you think that something is just amiss in some way, shape or form. Do let me know uh, again, if you know of a store that is not a fly shop, but provides a valuable service by gear and information in the fly fishing world, do let me know again, there is the information form that you can fill out on the website, the contact form, as well as you can email me uh, Matthew at casting So, A couple more things on this before we wrap up this episode of the podcast. First, patronize your local fly shop. Uh, There is no reason not to. Uh, The benefits that you will get, so say there's a a $10 fly fishing widget that you can get for $8.88 on Amazon with Prime 2-Day Delivery. going to the fly shop spending ten dollars plus tax on that having a conversation being able to touch it being able to see the other things that are there is a good way to spend a dollar and twelve cents extra in my humble opinion um, so this that's part a part b is if if you must use the internet don't feel like you're sitting that there's some sort of cardinal fly fishing virtue that you're transgressing if you if you do that okay just i want to make sure that is very very clear Um, but go to the fly shop as you buy those things get involved so that's i would say the second thing get involved see what they have going on do they have a fly tying night do they have a rod building seminar do they bring in an angler who just wrote a book do those things. Those auxiliary benefits of going to fly shops are things that are, you know, it's not something that you can replicate without going to like a fly fishing show. So for example, if you like going to fly fishing shows, like I do, the expo shows that usually run in the wintertime, there's a very good chance that your local fly shop puts stuff like that on. And if you are a customer, you're semi-regular, you've been able to have conversations With the fly shop proprietor, then maybe mention, you know, could we do something like this? Could me and a couple other guys kind of get together, um, you know, maybe resources or help put together and bring together uh, some sort of event so that we can draw more people into the shop? Those are great things to do. Um, And then spread the word. Tell people about your fly shop. Tell people that are uh, just starting out that this is a good place to go. Tell people you meet on the stream that this is where you get your stuff locally. Um, and if you are bringing people along with you to go fly fishing, bring them to the fly shop. Show them that holistic, comprehensive aspect of fly fishing. It's important to catch fish, but this is also the kind of place where we go. So uh, if, if you plan on taking your son or your uh, friend or, or maybe you're taking a, you know, just, just somebody in your world, fly fishing, then go to the fly shop first, pick up a flu have them pick out a few flies and then buy a couple of flies that you know are going to work and, and have them have that conversation, see what everything is, talk to them about the gear, tell them why you have what you have and why, what, what else is there to, for them to, to potentially get. This is a great part of the quarry and culture of fly fishing. The aquarium because this is the things that you need to get to those fish and the culture because it's all of the uh, kind of ambient stuff that goes on in the background, uh, getting you to the point where you are casting, where you are fishing. So once again, get on the website, go to the casting across fly shop box, fly fish shop directory, and make sure that uh, your local shops there and check out what maybe you've missed what you don't know. And uh, let me know, again, if there is somebody outside of that uh, kind of narrow fly shop world, that it should be worth mentioning in some other context. And I'll begin to put that together. But I do appreciate all those that have written in already and let me know my grave errors and in not including uh, fly shops that are integral stalwarts of the fly fishing community wherever they fish. It's not been that big a deal. Everyone's been pretty cool about it thus far. So uh, check those things out and let me know. This week on castingacross.com, the first article is an article I mentioned once already called Fly Heroes Outside the Shops, and this is the article in which I present to you how I think there are shops that are worth mentioning that aren't necessarily fly shops, big box stores small stores that uh, uh, operate for a diverse range of interests, and maybe even those stores that uh, all they have is a few flies, but the, the knowledge they bring to the table is worth uh, celebrating. So definitely let me know about those as well, Matthew at Castingacross.com. The second article is called No Fishing for Trout's Sake. So I have mentioned before on this podcast, and I've used material from this source frequently that I really like to troll the uh, National Park Service's news feed. Uh, It is just so fascinating. There's conservation stories, there's bear attacks, there's missing hikers, there's new initiatives, there's ridiculous initiatives often, but there's also really kind of cool things that you can find out about what is happening in the Park Service. But uh, recently, I have seen a number of times and then I've gotten emails from Trout Unlimited chapters that I'm still on email lists from in in like Northern Virginia and Maryland and Pennsylvania, as well as on social media and then fly fishing stuff that the National Park Service, uh, specifically in Shenandoah National Park in Virginia, has closed down the streams to fishing because of low flows. Uh, We have had an absolute wet august and september up here in new england but they have had a very dry uh season in virginia and i can say that for certainty i was there uh late august and it was incredibly dry However, uh, the stream has have been closed down in the Shenandoah National Park because of the low flows. So something I write about here is, first of all, pay attention to what is being put out by the Park Service or whatever um, Fish and Wildlife Agency you are, are underneath wherever you participate in fly fishing. But also that uh, even though I'm not a huge fan of like government uh, uh, oversight on a lot of things, this is one of the things where I think we all should get behind because this demonstrates a thoughtful approach to managing resources, and particularly because, and a resource like this, where really, like you know, 99% of the time, the park service is saying, "Come, come, 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 come. Use, 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 use. Partake, partake, partake." Uh, to uh, anglers and to hikers and to just, you know, anyone, everyone who they're trying to get into the park when they actually say, actually, actually, we don't want you here. <laughs> we don't want you doing this. There's probably a good reason for it. And you see this in other situations too, whether it has to do with wildfires, whether it has to do with animals, whether it has to do with uh, erosion. Uh, usually when the park service says no, don't, Uh, they have a very good reason for it. And I would uh, absolutely agree with their reasoning for shutting down the trout fishing in Shenandoah National Park at present. But uh, weather is cyclical. It comes and it goes. Trout populations are resilient. Um, With that said, you you can have a a great two or three year run of great environmental conditions. And we've seen this before. And then you have a hurricane. uh, Then you have a flood event, a drought event, a wildfire. And it really does undo a lot of that. But uh, that's just kind of the nature of things. I mean, that happens with us too. You, you know, you can you can exercise uh, for a, a year and then hurt your ankle and undo that in, in a, a fraction of a second. Uh, so so all that to say, uh, weather is cyclical this is going to get remediated. Brook trout populations, as fragile as they are in one sense, are incredibly resilient in another. And we could flesh that out later in another podcast in another setting. But uh, check that out and make sure you subscribe to the National Park Service's newsfeed. It's fascinating. You can get it on their, their mobile app and uh, it, it's worth worth checking out. This week's recommendation on the podcast is Whiskey Leatherworks. Now, Whiskey Leatherworks is a Montana company that relocated to Maine. So they've seen the whole world, uh, at least the whole United States. And they make spectacular leather products. Um, I am currently wearing a bison leather belt, and it it complements jeans and uh, cowboy boots perfectly. Uh, But they have all sorts of stuff, and they have belts and dog collars and flasks and key fobs that are leather with then a trout theme to them. And so I just got to say, you need to go check out their stuff. Their uh, website is uh, whiskeyleatherworks.com. And so I would just suggest scrolling around, checking out their stuff. And this this kind of gear, handmade and also like I mean, heirloom quality sounds a bit uh highfalutin, but it really is. And it's the kind of thing that um we've we've gotten away from. Everything is plastic, everything is vinyl, everything is cheap, everything is leather bonded. But this is real deal stuff that is worth a few extra dollars, is worth wearing, is worth giving as a gift, is worth uh, thinking about for your groomsmen or for uh, some sort of uh, graduation or birthday milestone kind of gift, uh, or even just treating yourself. So check out WhiskeyLeatherWorks.com. I'll put a link to their website in the show notes for this podcast page over at CastingAcross.com. Thank you for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and then rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish.
0: I'm Will Cooper host of Stand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from Huntstand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. I'm Will Cooper, host of Stand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from Huntstand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.